All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, What the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Daddy long that guy. And shout out to Red Light Crew. Hey, you're one of 12 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. Yeah, you know what the... To find that uh, uh, better, um, I think the key there is. Uh, I just lost my trend of thought. Welcome in episode 149 of Nation Real Life, and uh, going to be a bit of a different feel this week on Nation Real Life. We got a big guest coming up, smaller crew, Chalmers and Jay. Uh, they are not okay after their trip from Buffalo, they needed the week off. Yeah, I mean, they're very old at this point, right? So when you party as hard as they did in Buffalo, it's going to take the body some time to recover. Again, they are very, very old. Yeah, very, very old. Me and you could bounce back from that in a second. Of course. Um, We'll get to Jay's Uggs. We'll get to some Mike Babcock stuff as well and and a whole bunch of things from around the NHL. Talk about the Oilers' success. But uh, we got a Mary Brown's pop-up, pop-in coming in just a couple of minutes here. Former Oilers defenseman, Corey Cross. This is going to be an interesting interview on on a number of levels. The guy has had a hell of a journey to get to where he was in pro sports. This wasn't the standard, you get drafted, you go to camp, you work out and yeah. make a team kind of story. This was There was a lot more into this one. And as we were doing some research on the interview, it became clear just how interesting of a journey he had to the NHL and what he had to do to make it stick. Yeah, and like the other thing too, with Mike Babcock being in the news, Corey Cross's last ever NHL coach was Mike Babcock. So I'm excited to get his take on that. It's going to be interesting to see how he feels about Babcock as a coach. Obviously, he was only there for something like 16 games or something like that, right? But he's still got to have some thoughts on some of the stories that are coming out this past week. His uh, his whole career is very interesting, and we're not going to waste any more time now. It's a Mary Browns pop-in. 
Bite-sized morsels of 100% breast meat, chicken-coated in Mary's seasoning, served hot, crispy, and so yummy. You can even choose Thai for an extra kick of sweet heat topped with sesame seeds. Joining us on the line now on Nation Real Life is former Oilers defenseman Corey Cross. He's now a businessman with Rohan Well Servicing and Pro Smart Sports. Corey, uh, first off, thanks for giving us some time today, man. Yeah, no problem, Tyler. Uh, just, I want to start with this, the story of you making it to the NHL. I'm a guy who I'm big with the university of Alberta right now. I love watching their games. I work on the broadcast. So it's great to see an alumni that has gone through the NHL and made it to the league from the U of A, but you were a pick in the 92 supplemental draft, something that doesn't even exist anymore. And you went on to play 700 career NHL games. I'm sure you've thought about it a lot, but your career to come up from that sort of start and have that long of a career, it must be something you're immensely proud of. <laughs> I was pretty lucky, pretty lucky in the right space, the right, right time. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was something that I try to tell kids and parents now that I'm dealing with in minor hockey that, you know, kids just develop differently. They develop at different times. And I was one of those late bloomers. I grew, I don't know, probably eight, eight inches in, uh, between grade 10 and grade 12 and went from being an average-sized kid to being the tallest kid in school. and um, But then my body was, you know, lanky and skinny and no strength, and so it took me a few more years to get some strength. And and then uh, and then Billy Morris found me in an ice hockey class. So that was, it was pretty lucky, pretty lucky. So whenever I go on Elite Prospects Hockey DB, like before the University of Alberta, there's nothing listed there. What was your hockey career up before that point like? Well, I played uh, played minor hockey in Lloydminster um, all the way up to um, midget, and um, midget double A was the uh, level level in Lloyd. And um, then at the end of the midget year, I decided to just quit hockey and go to school. Um, my parents had me on a scholarship plan that uh, they'd been putting money in into it since I was a little kid, and didn't want to lose that money. So I said, "Well, I'll just." I'll just take this ice hockey class, become a teacher, for that teacher, and uh, that's what I did. So when I started skating in this class, I realized how much I was missing hockey. And uh, Billy Moores was the was the instructor of the course. And I asked him um, if he knew of a team I could play with. He goes, well, they're the Crusaders in Short Park or the Traders. And um, and I said, well, I don't have a vehicle. I live right. I lived in a house right across the street from campus. And uh, so he goes, well, here's a guy from the Edmonton Royals, junior B team here in town. So I called him up and said, hey, I'd like to try out for your team. Don't have a vehicle. So, and he goes, oh, we'll get, we'll get one of the guys to pick you up. Went to practice, and it was, it was obvious to me that I was going to make the team. Um, came back. Talked to my roommate, who was also a good little hockey player in Lloydminster, and he had a vehicle, so I talked him into playing. And we played for the Junior B Royals and um, had a real fun time. And then Billy asked me to come out and try out for the U of A uh, the next year, and I made the team as a eighth eighth defenseman. You, in your time at the, uh, at the U of A, you won three championships, including a national title. What is it about the University of Alberta that seems to produce such elite hockey teams? Well, it's just, um, it's the tradition. The alumni, the alumni is a big part of it. Um, you walk into that rink and, you know, you, you see the banners and the, and the history of it all. And I mean, one of the worst dress rooms you've probably ever seen, but, but that, you know, the rink itself is just, 
exudes uh, excellence. And grams, um, which when I got at the UFC, the UFC dinos, you could see the difference between the marketing of the of the universities. And U of A does a great job. So kids that are growing up in Edmonton and the surrounding area, they know all about the bears. They know they want to be a bear. They see, you know, their parents take them to the games and they see what, what you can do after, after the Western league. And, um, so, so right there, there's easy recruiting right there because you got kids who are, who know all about the bears. And, um, and then the alumni just, it's just the history of it. You walk into the room, it doesn't matter how many years you played in the Western league, you got to, you got to abide by the rules and they have rules and they run a tight ship. They get good coaching and they just have success uh, year after year. Yeah. Tyler off the jump here mentioned the 92 supplemental draft, which doesn't even exist anymore. I'm looking at the numbers of players who were selected in the supplemental draft. And I think there's only Steve Ruchin who's played more NHL games than you. Was it a conscious decision you made or something like that to just work your way into an opportunity with an NHL team? Is there somebody inspired that kind of work ethic? How did that work where you decided this isn't the end I'm going to make the show? (laughs) <laughs> well, the first when I made U of A, the, my first year, I, I mean, I had no, I, I mean, I knew guys from Lloyd Minster had tried playing at U of A, had gotten cut, and then thinking to myself, right here, I played midget double A. These guys played junior A and got cut. There's no chance you know, that I'm going to make it, but I did make it. Um, Billy saw something in me, I guess, and um, you know, I just started working hard and and practicing with the guys, and then there was word that scouts were coming to see me. I had a Buffalo scout um, pull pull me over to the side one one game I wasn't playing. He just pulled me over and said, hey, you know, just want to introduce myself, gave me his card. And then I started thinking, hey, you know what, there's some interest here. And, um, you know, Ian Herbers took me under his wing. He was like my, my old, br- my big brother and uh, took me under his wing, started training. We started training together and I started learning, you know, how to become a a better player and get getting stronger. And then, and then we won the uh, national championship in 92. And, and then, you know, there was talk that I was going to get drafted and all that. So it kind of just fell in my lap actually. So you end your career at the U of A at the end of the 93 season. And then in the 93, 94 year, you had five NHL games under your belt with the Tampa Bay lightning. Uh, is it, when you think about your first sort of taste of NHL hockey, is there one story that really sticks out in your mind? One moment at all? Well, my first game was against Pittsburgh, and that was they had everybody in the lineup: Mario Lemieux, Yager, Francis, uh, Joey Mullen, Larry Murphy, Kevin Steve. Like they were just stacked, and uh, that was my very first game. And I just remember in in warmups, just looking across and thinking, "What am I doing here?" <laughs> like, uh, and um, I'd forgotten about it, but my parents had videotaped the game, and my very first shift, I came across and. And smoked Joey Mullen, like one of the prime, one of my best hits of my career, my very first shift. <laughs> so, you know, I always tell kids, you got to make a statement when you get a chance. And, and I guess I did. You know, I made that statement. And then um, I played real real well those five five games. And I knew at that point that I, I could play in the league. So. When uh, we had Zach Stortini on a couple of weeks ago, and he told us his like welcome to the NHL moment off the ice, is when he went for dinner as a rookie. He just got called up. They played credit card roulette. 
his got drawn and he looked at the bill and was like, holy shit, I don't have this kind of money in my account. Uh, was there one of those moments for you, like a welcome to the NHL moment off the ice? Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, geez, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, the rookie party was always, rookie party was always fun. And, uh, you know, that was a good time. We had, I had mine in Quebec and, um, got off, got off pretty easily because the, by that, at that time, us money was, uh, was a lot better than the Canadian dollar. So I got off pretty, pretty easily with the, the dollar amount I had to pay. And I just remember having a really good time that night. When you started to establish yourself as a NHL regular, you were with the Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. You were playing almost every game. Was there a moment when you had some NHL money come in? You're like, I'm going to buy something stupid. And if so, what was that stupid thing you bought? Your first like big purchase? <laughs> well, it's funny because we were just, my wife and I were cleaning up our, uh, our storage areas and I came across my very first contract <laughs> and I said, I showed her, I said, here's what I made in, in, in my first four years in the NHL was 225,000. <laughs> so, so there wasn't many big purchases. Let me tell you that. Uh, I remember buying a, buying a vehicle. I had never owned a vehicle my, until uh, I turned pro. So bought, bought my first vehicle when I was in Atlanta and with the farm team. Uh, other than that, you know, just buying homes. I, I was, uh, I was pretty mature back then. I, I got through uh, university on $6,000 a year, so maybe a little frugal at times. <laughs> what was that first vehicle you bought? Do you remember? It was a um, Jeep Cherokee. Was, I think it was the huh. first year the Jeep Cherokees came out. <laughs> nice. Uh, you mentioned you know cleaning out the basement, things like that. Uh, you know, Some NHLers keep everything from their careers, and they have every little memento, a puck from this, a puck from that. Um, is, were you ever like that, and is there one item that is kind of like the holy grail of your career? Um, yeah, I have a lot of mementos, yeah. I have a lot of jerseys. I've, I've, I collected some jerseys over the years, um, so I've got a good little collection of jerseys. Um, uh, my first puck is up and framed in, uh, you know, on our wall in a, in a picture of me uh, celebrating at the bench after my first goal. So I guess that's the, that's the one we'll, I'll always... Uh, Keep and my gold medals for with Team Canada at the World Championships. Those, those were a big part of my um, my career. I was actually just about to ask you uh, those two gold medals. I'd imagine those are close to you. Uh, what was that experience like? Not only getting to represent Canada and wear the Maple Leaf, but have success as well. Yeah, I mean, I um, you know how it works there when you know they uh, they always ask the superstars to go at first, and um, you know for whatever reasons they, they turn it down and ends up being usually a young, a young group. And I was just kind of, um, making a name for myself in the league down in Tampa. Um, and so I kind of got, a, I got a late call, um, jumped at the chance of going in 97 and met the team in Winnipeg, not really knowing if I had a spot or they had already, already had seven defensemen. And I played really, really well in uh, the two exhibition games against us and, kind of cemented my role in the top six and um, had a really, really good tournament um, um, and uh, was real happy. We had a lot of tons of confidence the next year going into Tampa and and then got asked again to play the, the following year in 98. We didn't do as well there, but um, and then but just putting that Canadian jersey on is just amazing. Um, I remember walking in the Winnipeg and the first time I put it on, it was like I, I was pinched myself. And then, um, then in 03, I got asked again, late, a late ask again. 
um, went with a bunch of the guys off the Oilers. I think there were six of us there and uh, one together. And that was that was pretty special. Seeing as the world, <clears throat> sorry, seeing as the worlds take place during the playoffs, I feel like that's one of the tournaments that kind of gets overlooked a little bit by North American fans. Is there something <clears throat> in your mind that you can kind of think about the worlds that makes it such a special experience that maybe the general public doesn't know about? Well, the attendance that uh, the people that watch the World Championships eclipses any playoff, any NHL playoff uh, viewing. Um, you know, all over the, all over uh, the world. You know, are watching are watching the World Championships, and I can't remember all the, the stats, but the TV the TV airing was was way more than what North America uh, North Americans view the NHL playoffs. So that's pretty cool. And in Europe, it's, it's such a it's the biggest thing in, in hockey. So um, the, the crowds and the, the atmosphere is, is amazing. Hey, moving along with your career, uh, you mentioned you went to that last world championship with some guys from the Oilers. That was at the end of the 0203 season when you had just kind of gotten to Edmonton. What were your first impressions of coming to Edmonton and being an Oiler? Well, you know, I was, I was really surprised I got traded. Um, I, I'd been playing really, really well in New York and, um, I didn't think at all that I was going to get traded. And then when Glenn Sather pulled me into the uh, stick room <laughs> as I was going out to the ice, um, it told me I was going back home and he traded me to Edmonton. I was shocked, um, surprised. But then I was like, oh, this is going to be pretty fun. Um, you know, it's kind of my hometown and and going back, being closer to my family. And so I, I was quite excited. Got to the team and, and a great bunch of guys. Um, everybody, who, you know, no, there was no real big superstars. They were just all hardworking guys and and uh, really, really good group. You mentioned Glenn Sather told you you got traded in a stick room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was walking out to walking out to start practice. He said, "Hey, Corey, come to my office." And we walked into the stick room. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were traded a few times in your career. Is there one that was just like an absolute weird moment or like an odd way of being handed the news? Well, each one was a little bit different. Um, yeah, in town, when I got traded uh, to Toronto and Tampa, I mean, I um, we had new ownership there, new coaching staff. Uh, I just signed the the, the uh, we had some contract problems, so I held out for training camp and signed a deal, and then they traded me two days later. So I was like, I, I was disappointed, but really, really excited to go to Toronto, um, and then. Uh, the New York trade, you know, that was, you know, that was interesting. And then, um, I guess the trade from Edmonton to, uh, Pittsburgh was LA. I only had like a little duffel bag. We had just like a, I think we we're all going, we we're going on a golf trip. I think we had some days in Phoenix. We we're going to LA Phoenix golfing for a couple a day. And then, so I had my golf shoes and stuff in a duffel bag and that's all I had. So that was, that was, I had to fly right from Pittsburgh from LA. So that was interesting. Um, but the, probably the most interesting one was when I got traded um, later at the deadline to, to Detroit. Um, my wife just had our baby girl on the on the seventh, March seventh, and I got traded on March 9th, and we were in the hospital, um, and I was holding Ayla, and uh, I got a phone call from um, from uh, Pittsburgh from uh, Craig Patrick and saying that I got traded to Detroit. So that was probably the most interesting one. You started your career in Tampa Bay, which is, you know, a little bit of a smaller market. And then you followed it up by going to Toronto, New York, and Edmonton. And 
a lot of people make deals about, you know, the media coverage you get in Toronto, how players handle the pressures of being in a fishbowl market like that. That's always the buzzword that's used. Did you feel that at all being in the, the three markets compared to somewhere like Tampa Bay? Oh, 100%, 100%. So, I mean, I got recognized in Toronto in the first month more than I did in uh, Tampa in five years. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're not much of a, you're back then, you weren't much of a big deal with the Lightning. I think mm-hmm. things have changed down there for sure. But in Toronto, man, you're, you're a leaf, you're a god, and everybody knew who you were. And the media, too. I mean, the media is just, yeah, it's a fishbowl. And, and you just try to stay, don't read. I always tell guys, don't read the articles. You know, it'll just make you crazy. So, Another website that we have in our network, Corey, is HockeyFights.com. So I was looking at your account on the site, and you fought some, you fought some heavyweights. There's Kevin Deneen, I see, Steve Ott, Dale Hunter. As somebody who's done the job, where do you see fighting as having a place in the NHL today? Well, I wouldn't call those guys heavyweights. I always pick the right guys. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know what? It, it, it really, you know, as much as I like, I like a, to watch a fight, you know, is it, is it needed anymore? I mean, uh, it's such a, it's such a catch 22. I mean, I played university hockey where there was no fighting and the stick work is definitely elevated. Um, and you see that now, I mean, you, you know, Bertuzzo, you know, he's cross-checking that, you know, the Nashville guy in the back and, you know, that wouldn't have happened back in the day. You know, if you did that, you were going to have to drop the gloves and, and, um, somebody's going to take, take, uh, take control of the situation. So I don't know what they can do. I honestly don't. It's so they're going to keep arguing this for years and years and years. So. The last thing I wanted to touch on before we get to a little bit of your post-career life is uh, you mentioned you got traded at that deadline and went to the Detroit Red Wings where Mike Babcock was the head coach. Obviously, he's in the news a lot right now, given that he was fired. There was the whole thing with Mitch Marner that came out today as well. Uh, he's been getting ripped a lot online by guys like Mike Commodore, Mark Frazier. Do you think that's like deserved? Like, Is that a side of Babcock that you saw as well, or do you think some of this is just players being a little bit sour? Like, What, what are your thoughts on Babcock? Well, I mean, I, I think Mike got sometimes gets got blinded by by his uh, arrogance, right? I mean, but we all do. I mean, it doesn't matter what what walk of life you are if you're you're if you think you know what you're doing and you, you do you make mistakes and you think you can kind of do whatever you want. And yeah, I mean, he's not the only coach that that did some things that uh, as players you're just shaking your head and you're like, okay, that's that's not cool. So I mean, yeah, I mean. Uh, I was only with him for two months. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, for myself, I played in the last 16, 16 games of Detroit, uh, with Detroit, um, me and, and, uh, I was on the ice for one goal against those 16 games, go to go in the playoffs against the Oilers. And, uh, they bring up an AHL guy and put him in the lineup instead of me. So, so, you know, you're like shaking your head. You're like, what was that all about? But, you know, uh, he does what he wants to do. And, um, you know, he doesn't, he never changes. And, and that's a lot of coaches, a lot of coaches I had, they, they coached the one way and their arrogance, that wasn't going to change. It was their way or no way. So you moved on after your hockey career to become a coach as well with the university of Calgary, with the West Kelowna warriors as well. Was coaching something you always kind of had an eye on? Well, I always enjoyed coaching, um, teaching. Like I was going to become a teacher uh, when I went to U of A, and I have a teaching degree. So it's always something that I've really enjoyed, and I had some 
some mentors uh, going, you know, going through high school and my career with hockey. And um, so I, I, I do love giving back. I love being a part of being on the bench and, and uh, reading the game and helping kids. And um, yeah, it's been really, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I realized early that I wasn't going to make a career out of it. Just, you know, seeing what guys go through in the pro pro levels. And um, my wife was pushing me to do it, but there was no way I was going to get on a bus and start doing that all over again, starting from scratch. So uh, being at USC and then um, was, was a lot of fun. I uh, love that. I mean, I love CIU hockey, obviously. And, um, and then being with the West Kelowna Warriors and us winning the RBC championship was, was one of the biggest highlights of, of my hockey career. So um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And now I just help coach my, my son's team in Peewee. And yeah, it's been, it's been good. How's the year going for you guys? Got a good team? <laughs> We have a very good team. We have a very good team, but our work ethic is a little uh, lackluster. So, yeah, I think I think the head coach is going to cha- maybe change that tomorrow morning. <laughs> it's a, it's good though. I don't think the head coach's job will be in jeopardy though. No matter what the wins and losses are coming along, like at that level. Uh, looking back to your career, was there one coach that really stood out to you as like a really positive mentor, someone who you always just look back and absolutely loved? Well, Billy Morris. Billy Morris was the best coach I had, hands down. Um, you know through any of the levels I played, he just, he exuded respect. Everybody respected him. Everybody would go to the wall for him. He was um, unbelievably intelligent, could read a game, could get the best of all the guys. And, you know, and when you, you know, become a coach and, um, you know, you're like, okay, this is what I got to do. It's what Billy Moores did, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's amazing. And it's, it's disappointing that he never got a chance to coach in the NHL, but, um, but he was, he was the best coach I ever had. And the last thing I just wanted to ask you about, just what are you up to right now? Your Twitter bio, like I said off the top, is says you're a businessman with Rohan Well Servicing and Pro Smart Sports. What's kind of your day-to-day like with those two? Well, with Rohan, um, I, I started that company with a couple guys um, back in the, in the lockout of uh, 04, 05. And uh, we built that company from, from scratch, and we employ uh, 80 guys, just over 80 people now. Uh, we have 10 service rigs and uh, eight coil tubing units that uh, work everywhere from Lloydminster up to Fort McMurray. And so I, uh, when I first retired, I was just helping build business. I spent first five winters in Calgary just building business and meeting people downtown Calgary and getting to know the ins and outs of the, the oil patch. And so that's been, uh, it's been good. Uh, the last six years have been a, been a battle, but uh, we've been able to, to fend off uh well, not fend off, any, <laughs> just fend off the uh, the shortage of work. But um, our guys do an excellent job in, in the field and in the office. And so there's not much for me to do. I just go to Calgary, manage manage our clients, and um, and uh, I'm just enjoying semi retirement mode. So, well, we really appreciate your time today, Corey. It was a lot of fun, kind of picking your brain a little bit on what was a fantastic NHL career. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. That is former Oilers defenseman Corey Cross. And of course, that is a Mary Brown's pop-in brought to you by Mary Brown's and their bite-sized morsels of 100% breast meat, chicken coated in Mary seasoning, served hot, crispy, and so yummy. You can even choose Thai for a kick of sweet heat topped with sesame seeds. Uh, don't forget, also, if you're checking them out on a Monday, it's Big Mary's Monday. You can get their Hero Chicken Sandwich for just $3.99 plus tax. Before we move on, guys, we also got to give 
a little bit of love to our other sponsor of the podcast, and that is Japa Machinery. And our friends at Japa, they love giving back. The Atchison Business Association has launched its Christmas campaign to give back to the community this holiday season, and Team Japa will be collecting new unwrapped toys, new clothes, non-perishable food, and gift cards as well. These will be gifted to kids, teens, and their families so that everyone can enjoy the holidays. If you'd like to help Japa give back, please feel free to stop by their office, 10397 267th Street in Atchison Zone 3, anytime between now and December 8th. Again, that's new unwrapped toys, new clothes, non-perishable food, and gift cards as well. Drop them off between now and December 8th. Uh, anything you can. They'd really appreciate it. And if you have questions about demos, rentals, RPOs, sales, or service, no problem. They got you covered as well. They got their website. It's jappamachinery.com. You can also reach out to them on social media, or why not just give them a call directly? 780-962-5272 for the most updated inventory. They'll answer any questions you have. An absolutely fantastic initiative that they have going on partnering up with the Atchison Business Association. We've interviewed a handful of players in the last, uh, former players in the last four or five months. Um, that's a fascinating guy. Yeah, you know, the the fact that he worked his way into an NHL career that is, what do you, what'd you say, almost 700 games, something like that? Yeah, well, just shy of 700 games, and then you can factor in some minor pro stuff, some German as well, like... He was drafted in a thing that doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. And he fucking ground his way into an NHL career that anybody should be proud of. And you got to respect the hustle, the work ethic, and everything that led him there. It's uh, Tyler Rumchuk, Begged Milk, and uh, we got one other joining us on the podcast. He's Wani a is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just uh, listening to Corey Cross. Um, I don't want to confuse Corey Cross. Of course. He's a smart man, though. He did, like, at the end, like he talked about, you know, you build up your career from absolutely nothing. He does the same thing. In business as well with it with his company, it, it was it was just cool to pick his brain on that stuff. Eighty man companies, no joke. No, I found it interesting too that well, a lot of guys during the lockout were going to fuck off to Europe mm. or doing whatever they were doing. He was busy working on a business that now occupies his time in retirement. Yeah, it, it was really cool. You can tell he's like a super driven guy. Uh, I like that we were able to get a guy who was coached by Mike Babcock on as well. He talks. He plays 16 games, is on the ice for one goal against, <laughs> and then they bring up some kid from the American League, and he doesn't even get to play in the playoffs. And the playoff series against his hometown and former team. Cut through it. Yeah, that's Babs. Oh, what's your guys' take on that? On Babcock? Yeah. I mean, I always find it interesting that the knives come out when a guy leaves, mm -hmm. right? It's just like, how, how long were these guys sitting on this story? I guess we should have asked Corey, maybe in hindsight, if how big tuning out a coach really is in the yeah. dressing room. Do you know what I mean? Like he's played, he played in a lot of different cities. I'm sure there were times when a, a coach was just shit to play for or work for or however you want to think about it. Yeah. What does that look like in the room when you really tune a guy out? Yeah, and that'd be interesting. Like he played for a handful of different teams. I'm, I'm sure it happened on a, a fairly regular basis, but I, I was talking today on the air about this. I feel like those coaches now, like with this quote-unquote new generation of hockey player, the Babcocks and the Hitchcocks even and this all those guys. This is your generation, by the this way. This is my generation, you know, wearing the beanie in a press conference like Mitch Marner was today. I feel like those guys have a shelf life of like three years. They'll come in the first year and everyone's ears will perk up and be like, all right, we got like a legendary coach here. He's going to be hard on us, but he's going to push us to win. And if the first year doesn't go well and then the second year starts to slip away, it's just there's no getting that room back because those players will just completely shut you out. Tactics, right? It's yeah. Old school tactics versus new school mentality. It's kind of like 
how there were rumblings last year that the Oilers weren't really overly keen on how Hitch ran the bench or yeah. practices and stuff. And it's because, again, he's old school. And then he started not even going to the practices. He was just sitting up top and letting Gullitson run it. Like, yeah, I, I think there is something to be said about that. I think there's like the people that mo- get motivated by the stick and people get motivated by the carrot, right? And I don't think a lot of people anymore are motivated by the stick. I think it's basically all carrot. Yeah, it's a subcategory. And everyone gets a carrot. You get a carrot, and you get a carrot, and even if you didn't do anything good, you still get a carrot. Do you th- but how good can that really be, though, if you're always getting a carrot? Because that's not how life works. When you're a pro hockey player who's had a lot of stuff handed to you, when you know there's a lot of guys come up that do the you know the prep school route and all that, and it's not Corey Cross calling June cold calling junior B team, seeing if someone can drive yeah, him true. to games. Like, I, I think it is just all care for these guys, and they know one way to operate. That story about Corey Cross told, I wish you'd gotten to a little bit more detail. It's crazy. You're on, you're in ice hockey 101 at the U of yeah. A. So, like, you can take volleyball, you can take, yeah, yeah I'm going to take hockey, and then you make the NHL. Like, it's, like, he what the didn't fuck? have a, there was no WHL, Junior A type of shit. It was just, like. Yeah, I think this hockey class looks interesting. I've grown a bit. I played double A hockey. Sure, that's an easy way to get some credits. And there's Billy Mitches, by the way. Yeah, Yeah, good for him. And as Billy Moore is just like walking through the hallways at U of A, being like, "Anybody here an NHL player? (laughs) Anybody here want to go to the show? Follow me. I'm Billy." And then people just come out, and there's a parade. I imagine a scenario where Billy Moore is like, "Got to teach these fucking hockey 101," and he took one look at Corey Cross and was like. Oh my God, what the fuck is he doing here? I'm the greatest hockey 101 teacher alive. <laughs> I love how he just had nothing but love for Billy Moores yeah. as well. Well, of course, you're in fucking first year university and guy finds you and what is it, like 12 months later is in the NHL? Well, it was four years he sure. spent at the U of A, four but years. still to just go through that U of A program as well. Like guys don't go to the NHL from Canadian universities no, no, no. very often. What's a, sorry, what's a supplemental draft? I didn't want to, it was funny how you guys kept going and that doesn't even exist anymore. So I can tell Corey Cross is like, Ugh. so I had to look it up. <laughs> so now you get the college UFAs every summer that become the highly touted free agents. Like remember when the weather side Drake Kajula a couple of years ago, Justin Schultz, Matt Justin Benning. Schultz. Well, Justin Schultz was drafted into the NHL. But oh. So like Drake Kajula, I'm thinking of like Jimmy VC, that kind of yeah. thing. Though they back in the day, they would have went into the supplemental draft when they were done in college, so that NHL teams had a chance to draft them. Essentially. Sure, but now that doesn't exist, so they can just pick and choose where they go. So this is like the anybody's leftover draft. Yeah, like Corey Cross made it through the U of A. He was a star there. Who's the other guy? Bob Bugner. Who'd you say? Uh, Steve Ruchin oh, was the Steve only Ruchin. guy in the supplemental Steve draft. Steve Ruchin, fucking right. Bring his numbers. All right, he did all right for himself. Yeah, he did fantastic. I remember Steve Ruchin. He was a duck for a bit too. He was a duck. Yeah. <laughs> Steve duck. Ruchin, seven hundred and thirty-five NHL games. The bulk of those with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Who do you end up with at the end? He finished in 2005-2006 with the Rangers and then 06-07 with the Atlanta Thrashers slash Winnipeg Jets franchise. Gotta love someone who played with the Thrashers, the ultimate throwback now. Absolutely. Um, So we're short two voices on the podcast today. It's nice. A guy can get his word in edgewise here. Yeah. Edgewise. Piping hot in here for a change. And if you followed along the real life uh, social medias, you know that they were in Buffalo for the trip, Chalmers and Jay. Uh, Do we have a comment on Jay's Uggs? Jay looked fucking ridiculous. Yeah, 100%. He did. had Uggs and a fanny pack on with that ridiculous Movember duster that he's got going on. That was a look of all time. And I can tell you, knowing our dear Squire, it's not he's not doing this to get a rise out of people. He's not. He doesn't think he looks ridiculous. No. He, was, he thinks he's fashion forward. It, to me, it reminds me of every time Jay comes back from like Sweden or something and he's wearing culottes and like a scarf. Yeah. 
Something like that. Yeah. But this time he pivoted to, he went full Australian with the Uggs and a fanny pack. I'll give him credit. As long as I've known him, he's always been the guy to be like, Kate, this is the new thing. Kate, this is the new thing. <laughs> Kate, this is the new thing. But with these fucking Uggs and this fanny pack, he's wearing it to prove a point. He's re- wearing it so that all the boys in the football trip go, what the fuck? That's how you dress nowadays? You're a joke. And one by one, he'll shout them down until at the end, no one will look him in the eye and he gets to wear Uggs. I was going through Bieber's Instagram account as I do. Oh, yeah. This is a Bieber outfit that Jay was wearing. Well, it's not Drew House. It's definitely not Drew because it's not a $300 hoodie he was wearing. Tell you that much. Is that what those things are? Yeah, I saw one on Drew, the clothing line that I was like, man, that's a dope hoodie. Is it Drew or Drew House? Uh, Might be Drew House. Oh, House of Drew or some bullshit. Do you know why it's called Drew? Isn't that his dad's name? It's his middle name. Mm. Mm. Is this a Bieber clothing line? Don't worry about it. Chuck, it's just for me. It's just for us young guys over here. So uh, I went over to buy a hoodie, and oh it's yeah. $300. Really bright? Pink? Oh, buddy. Yeah. It was nice. It was a zip-up. It looked fresh. The inside looked like a flowery coat. It was nice. That's nice. I feel like it's going to be quality. Absolutely. Everything Bieber be. does is quality. Bieber never say never. Be. Quality. Arguably the greatest documentary ever made. Believe. Also quality. Absolutely. Although that was kind of when he was getting into his shitty face. Sure. Girlfriend. Quality track. Absolutely. Although I had a big argument with my sister that Haley Bieber is not as beautiful as I said she was. Oh, ridiculous. My you you think she's things. a smoke show and your Absolutely. sister thinks she's gross? Yeah. Unbelievable. I Tyler, hope Bieber's. I uh, don't have too many takes on Bieber. Nothing, eh? Oh, we'll Although, going. weird oh. moment in my life the last two weeks. This girl I went to high school with was like just on Snapchat and her Snap story was her at this fancy LA mansion. Then the camera pans to Bieber. JB? Yeah, and you look at She's it and you're like hanging with him? Yeah, like this girl who I went to school with in St. Albert was Get just like a phone at a beaver's face for Christ's sake. And then she had like had pictures on her Instagram of them just like standing next to each other. And that's wow. the clout you need though. It was just the weirdest Did fucking Did Beaver thing. look annoyed in the photo? No, it just looked and there was like it wasn't like there was a crowd of people. It was just like them at a pool. Mm, damn, like a backyard pool. It was it was an odd little run of circumstances you in gotta all my think, group chats. You gotta think how annoying it is to be asked to be in photos all day long. If you're Biebs, like everywhere you go, some motherfuckers like, hey, get over here and take a photo of my nephew. I think about this shit all the time because you I'm do? super into huge celebrity Instagram accounts. Tyler is now showing Wanya the picture Jeez of the lady Louise. and Bieber. And he's wearing the Drew house. He's shirt. wearing a Drew shirt. Of course. Biebs oh, knows Biebs. product placement. <laughs> Jesus Knowing Christ. our demographic, they're probably so happy that we're looking at pictures of Bieber right now while recording. Holy well, Tyler, fuck. can you put that on the socials? Can you regram it? Ah, oh, do I really want to do that? Absolutely. Fuck yeah. Yeah, man. You're her famous friend from high school. That's the clout we need. She has so many followers now. Really? Of she, shot, she, she shot up like 20,000 now. Of course. Really? What's she rocking? What she got in her pants. You know what I'm saying? Mm. For like, are well, we talking about Jujar? Yeah. Oh, hey. Okay. What? What? <laughs> Hold hey. up. Yeah. Speaking of Jujar, you know who the new Jujar is? More like Hujar. Oh, nah. see, without this many people here, we can get these jokes off without the conversation being kidnapped. Well, and also it's fun, Wanya, because this reminds me of when it was you and I before Tyler was here and just seeing the annoyance on his face as we're talking about yeah, Bieber nice. for five minutes is nice. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Yeah, real nice. Anyway, I'm obsessed with celebrities on Instagram. Go on. John Travolta is the weirdest fucking person on the planet. Body, I watched that movie Fred Durst made with him. I'm not a fan of abandoning cinema because I'm like, nope, the fucking best boy worked on this and I'm going to watch it till the end. I think I can think of three movies I haven't watched. Number one, mm. Disney's Holes featuring a young Shia LaBeouf. Of course. Two, Fargo. I fucking hate Fargo I've and I've Fargo. tried to watch it three separate times, once on a plane, once in the theater, once at someone's house. No. And then this fucking movie with Fred Durst and Travolta. 
what's it called? Stalker or some shit? I don't know. And it's about a fan that goes insane. And Devin Sawa's in it from the Stan video. Wow. It's it's fresh on Netflix. Speaking of Stan, was that last week I mentioned? 19 years ago, Stan came out. Mm. Really? Unbelievable. So obsession with celebrities on Instagram. Keep going. Yeah, so I was talking to, I was watching John Travolta's Instagram account. And he is wandering around Sydney looking for what's-her-face from Greece. It's why? part of a, it's part, he's doing some kind of meet and greets of some kind. I don't know why John Travolta. So he's just walking me. through the streets of city pretending to look for Sandy. Yeah, he's like, Sandy, where are you? I'm here in Sydney. But like my point that I was getting at is this dude is so fucking famous that he has lost the Oh plot. yeah, you would. So I'm thinking about Bieber now, where he is what, probably like twenty something years old, twenty two years old, something like that. Uh, twenty three, I think he's yeah. He cannot leave a building. No. There is nothing that prepares you for that. No. No matter how famous Tyler Remchuk is. Famous. Yeah. He can walk out of buildings. And it's weird, too, because people, when they see celebrities, don't keep... Like, I was watching... Uh, there's a show on Netflix with Seth Rogen. And it's like an eating show. He was a guest on it. It's like a chef friend of his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go to Vancouver, and they're eating. And they're talking like... Seth Rogen's as down-to-earth as a guy mm -hmm. that exists. And he's talking with his buddy. And he's like, when people see celebrities, they're always like, I would normally never do this, but, but like, that's all they get all day long. Another one that I was finding out or uh, digging into is Matthew McConaughey's new Instagram account. Go on. He has also lost the plot. Well, he has really? very short arms. It's one of those things where I just think that these guys have been so famous for so long yeah. that they have nobody that tells them no anymore. McConaughey like is infamous for going and crashing like a frat party and hanging out and being normal and shit too. And I think it's all... He can't be normal. It's all a ruse. He can't be normal yeah. when you're that famous. He's just, in his very first Instagram post, he's just rattling off cliches that somebody told him sounds important at some point, but they just don't make any fucking Like sense. the Lincoln commercials where he's like, why drive when you can live? And yeah. Like, I don't know, like man. Like, I just want a car. Just need to get to sense. work. I was watching a fake little pump impersonator over the weekend. Oh, nice. Who rolled up to the VMA parties or something with his fake, he had a fake security entourage, fake, fake the whole thing. And he walked like <laughs> through a party and like down an alley that was all bars and stuff like that. And the amount of fuss people were making was insane. Over a, like, over a little pump, Lil allegedly. Pump's shit, P.S. But anyway, he's walking down and like people are yelling, little pump, I love you. And, like to go around and you're like, I just want to go to the store and get some almond milk, which I assume all celebrities drink in their course, coffee. It's delicious. No one's got time for real milk. Hell no. Lactose, Tyler. It'd fuck mm -hmm. your head up. Almond milk will, yeah. Especially if you're in like an airport. I feel like this is where celebrities get accosted all the time. It's because, like, even if you're celebrity rich, unless you're celebrity, celebrity, celebrity mm -hmm. rich, you're flying with the rest of us cattle. Yep. And I've never seen, I've seen, I saw Hugh Grant in the London airport once, and Jay and I chased him for 10 minutes down the nice. thing. He was little, he looked like a leather shoe. I saw Brad Pitt at West Edmonton Mall when he was here filming that cowboy movie or whatever. A girl I know took a photo of him and Angie and sold it to one of the tabloids and bought really? a Jeep with the money. Yeah, wow. she got it like a hundred K, didn't she? Uh, it, it was something nuts. It was, she bought a Jeep. I remember yeah. that. It was Jeep um, money. Because I remember one of my instructors at Nate actually helped her like facilitate that. And like, really? Because she worked at CTV at the time, found out whoever it was had the yeah, photo yeah, yeah, and yeah. like helped her sell it and like market it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I saw Brad Pitt. I was nowhere near him. So but he what was, was he a doing? tiny little man. He was just walking. And there was just... Solo? No, it was him and Angel... And um, what's her face? Angelina Jolie? What's her face? And Hold on, what? There's you a, saw... Whoa, wait. You yeah, saw... He was, what? Wait, he was whoa. filming that... Uh, that like, yeah, 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 yeah. The assassination of Jesse James by the coward yeah, Roger... Yeah, 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 yeah. You, Robert Ford. You saw Brangelina walking together? Mm. They had a little... Uh, they had security behind them. And then there was just a crowd behind the security. 
It was very odd. And you were walking surreal. towards them? Well, I didn't really realize what I was. I was upstairs. They were downstairs. What were you at getting the at the mall, first of all? I was probably going to HMV. To yeah, that's cool. Probably when picking was... up the new Limp Biscuit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're getting yourself. Chocolate starfish in the end, hot dog flavored water. So you're maybe? picking up Roland DMX edition, <laughs> urban assault vehicle mix. You come down the escalator and you see Brangelina? No, I'm walking towards that end of the mall, I believe. We were near the ship. Top floor? Top floor. I was top floor there, bottom floor. Oh, oh. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea who it was, to be honest. And then I asked somebody, I was like, why are those two people being trailed by a large crowd of people? Those fucking idiot. Brangelina. I remember being at the mall when MC Hammer was there. Whoa. But it was like pandemonium. I, like I can remember very similar down by the, the deep sea adventure. People like hammer and like running down the whatever you were jumping call. off the upper level. And then he and his crew, I'll never forget this. We could look it up if we had time, but we don't. So we can't look it up. You have to take me at my word. But he took a scooter. You used to be able to rent scooters there, like sitting scooters down the escalator. What? And fucked the scooter up. Okay. And he bought hammer pants at the mall, the Zazu store, I'm told. Sick. But he was banned for life. Hammer's banned for banned life. Banned for life in the mall. If the mall keeps records, which they don't, because I know a kid who was banned for life who still goes there all the time now. Name might be Jay. If you ever want to ask him a question, ask him by why he wasn't allowed to go to the mall. I, I'm, I'm just going to guess. Jay jumped in the in the pool, didn't he? No. Really? He was a very small shoplifter. Oh. Like classic. elementary. What'd he steal? Probably culottes. Rita McNeil album for his mom for a nice. Christmas present. Nice. Uh, um, well, it was done with a <laughs> good heart. Like, well, that's why you go to jail for the rest of your life. <laughs> Too I, bad, criminal. When I worked uh, at the mall back in my youth. Hold on. What'd you do at the mall? I worked at uh, Jersey City. That is so you. Oh, yeah. Where you're like, how dare you buy that Dave bed? He's a fucking bottom six player. You should get this jersey. That, I would love that when customers would come in and be like, so the Oilers, this, this. And I'd be like, hold up. Like, you don't know shit, all right? One second. Um, but I, when I worked there, I was talking to a security guard because someone had jumped into the lake that night or the Santa Maria water. And I was like, so they're banned for life. Like, how do you enforce that? And the security guard's like, well, like, it's a ban for life so that if they come back and fuck more shit up again, we can just charge them with trespassing because they're banned. Like, we don't actually want them to stop shopping at the mall. A few things bring to mind. Number one, I guarantee you the mall now has facial recognition software. Probably. If there's going to be any place in Edmonton that has it, it's going to be them. And the casinos. Because I know a guy, well, Jay talked about it. He banned himself for life in the casinos and they scanned his face. Two... Hold on, wait. No, just one. Go ahead. I, you, my old roommate used to be a security guard at the mall, mm-hmm. and I asked about lifetime bans. Admittedly, this was ten years ago. He's just like, yeah, we have no fucking clue. We it's, have to. He's like, we have to kick kids out for jumping in the pool all the time. Yeah, I remember this. Is what I was going to say, being in Nashville, which you're too young for. You're I'm mm-hmm. You may remember bag milk. Nashville's it, I never got there. Just on the edge. So it was over where the sport check is now, mm-hmm. and there was two bars. There was the inner bar, which had the dance floor, and then it had the outer bar, which was the chill zone. I remember seeing buddies being in a circle talking, and one guy I knew being like, be back in a minute. Ten minutes later, he was back standing there completely soaked, <laughs> standing in the bar. I'm like, where'd you go? He's like, I jumped to the water. So the and sport he, check used to be a bar? Yeah. And he ran, jumped in, got out, ran all the way, somehow chill zone in Nashville's not a long line, got back in the bar. West That's Ed used when to be men like, were men. I remember going to phone parties at Escape in West Ed. They were weird. It was a weird scene at West Ed bars. I remember being in in Thailand at a foam party and like walking by really early in the morning we were leaving and they were like shoveling all the foam back into the foam jug that they would re-foam the next night. Oh, that's so gross. Oh, yeah. Absolutely it was. Uh, I don't want to go. And they hand bomb a lot of those pails clean. Maybe a rinse. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. A little bit of salt water. They'll clean it right up. Bring your own. Where, where do we vent the sewage? Into the bay. Where do we clean the <laughs> buckets? In the bay. Yeah. Great. Uh, do we want to talk a little Oilers? Yeah. Sure. That's how we can end the last 10 minutes of this podcast, right? Huge weekend, Tyler. Four points. Marcus Granlin. Oh, buddy. You must just be get a button to hit. Oh, that was See, sweet. I like how anytime it it's turned into a thing where Marcus Granlin, anytime anything happens with him, your mentions blow up. My mentions, they do. I'll just sit there and I'll wait like two seconds and then my Twitter app will have like a little 30 next to it. And I'll be like, oh, there you go. The Granlin crowd is back and everyone tweets me. He's like, how do you like that? You're on truck. And some people are fun and some people are like, you're a fucking idiot. You don't want to pick anything. Um, but that's, that's all right. That's the value of naming a goat. Yeah, oh, you got to name a goat. You, you become the president of the hater fan club. Literally, the, every time he scores, I'm like, "Oh, that your rib chuck is probably laying an egg. He's so mad right now." But I'm actually pretty happy for him. Um, I mean, whatever. He's hot right now. We'll see if it lasts. And oh. I'm still pessimistic, but it's great that they're getting bottom six scoring. And this weekend was fucking unbelievable. You yesterday, know they got? Oh. yesterday they had three goals. Not one of them was from Connor or Leon. That's huge. Huge. Who were the three goals? It was Granlin. Your favorite. It was mm-hmm. Bear. Second favorite. And it was Neil on the power play. Oh, so yeah, Drysdale and McDavid factored into they one did. or two of them. But yeah, you're right. Three goal scorers that uh, that weren't 97 and 29. And I mean, if they keep that going, like it's like getting to the point where it feels like 16, 17. And a month from now, I think you'd almost be really safe to say they're a lock to make the playoffs. <gasps> now, I'd like to go back. I don't know if you have it here, but the fucking prediction I had for the start of the season. It was, it was. It is freakishly on point. There's something wrong with you. Thank you. You're, you're like a young Gregor with his Ooh, predictions, which is a great younger. compliment. You need more younger. earrings then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like one of them ancient aliens pyramids that predicts the future all accurate, like when the world was supposed to end in 2012. It could. Still could. I've been freaked out by two end of the worlds now. I got scared by Y2K. I was scared by Y2K. Plenty well. scared. I had a buddy that played the ultimate prank at Y2K. He uh, went down to the, we were just having a house party as teens do. Go on. And he went down to the circuit board and right at midnight, he flipped all the power off in the house. It was great. Did people scream and stuff? Absolutely. Pandemonium. It was for hilarious. real. So good. That's, That's funny. genius. Shout out to Jeremy, wherever you are now. When the millennial uh, New Year's party I hit, I went, I went to when it hit, we were just listen, listening to Millennium over and over Yeah, and Will over. 2K, of yeah. course. And drinking uh, Gladiators. You ever drink those? Man, it's been a minute since I had a gladiator. Peach schnapps. I like peach schnapps. That'd be delicious. What? Wasn't it gladiator? Oh, um, I can see the bottle. Yeah. It's uh, that cherry Al- liqueur or whatever. Uh, like an almond liqueur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's in the gladiator? Mm, that, it's orange that? juice, peach schnapps. That sounds tasty. It's not bad. If you drink a lot of them yeah. at the millennium, you'll get fucked up. <laughs> okay. Um, I also, I have your... Per- <laughs> <laughs> Put that out as Amaretto a Amaretto and orange juice. Amaretto. Fuck, I used to go through Amaretto. Oh, fuck. It's yeah. strange when you first start drinking because you're like, you know what I'd like is a drink of alcohol that tastes nothing like alcohol. Yeah. When I first, first started drinking, I would go to the bar, Nashville's, the outside chill bar where my earlier friend jumped and ran back in. There was a fellow there that the bartender was a good guy, Big Al, two shots of vodka, and he would like line them up with lemon and one pack of sugar, and I would just drink each shot and then be like, okay, see you in a while, Al, and I'd go off. No time for mix, no time for nothing. Vodka shots, eh? Straight. Called uh, lemon drops. I can't do that. My 18-year-old drink was vodka slimes. Oh, nice. Mm. I loved those. Let's go to the armory. Oh. Have a couple of vodka slimes. Good times. Go upstairs to the rock part of the Totally bar. different DJ. Absolutely. I can't hear downstairs, upstairs. Hell no. One time I let my buddy a shirt 
We were at my house, and he's like, can we go to the bar tonight? Can I borrow one of your shirts? And I was like, okay, you can look at my closet, but if you take a good shirt, you can't fuck it up. He took my best shirt, then fell ass over tea kettle all the way down the stairs, including the turn, which I think was just embellishing, <laughs> all the way down the basement. That shirt was never the same. I had a buddy fall down the stairs at Iron Horse one time, and I could still see it in my head. All the curved stairs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It's M- MKT now, I think. There's a certain level of like rudeness, though, when you're doing bar design to be like, what are we going to get everybody? Super fucked up. Then what? Make them go on a treacherous <laughs> fucking set of stairs, like the stairs to the top of the banana bar. Oh. Those are the most dangerous stairs you'll ever find in a bar in your yeah, life. Those are not to code. No. Tyler, what was your first bar drink, which was probably six months ago? Uh, it wasn't. I, I remember my 18th birthday still when I got kicked out of the bar. And then while I sat on the concrete, the bouncer had to come out and apologize to me. Where'd you get kicked out of? Uh, the ranch Uh-oh. when I was 18. And so I was like, obviously just fucked up. And our limo almost crashed on the way limo, there. Limo, your 18th birthday? Wow. Yeah. Big flex. Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, wow. Wow. Before he was him, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had a limo, and the driver just slammed on the brakes at one point. So me and all my friends went fucking tumbling. I was crouched down, changing the song, and I rolled across the limo, and everyone was soaked in fucking booze. So we showed up to the ranch, like, soaked in booze. Everyone's already shit-faced. It's my birthday, so obviously, like, people are buying me drinks. The ranch is like, well, a limo of kids <laughs> just pulled up, covered in their own excrement and booze, and this is pre-bar. Um, so we go in there. I'm shit-faced. It's like... 12 30 i'm like falling asleep at a table now, did it turn midnight into your birthday or was it your birthday when you rolled up covered birthday when i rolled up okay um nice. so it's like 12 30 i'm so fucked up that i'm falling asleep at the bar and the bouncer came over i was like get the fuck out of here like you can't be sleeping and my friend's like whoa whoa calm down we'll wake him up he's fine so he woke me up and was like if you sleep one more time you're done and i was like yeah for sure man and i fell asleep again <laughs> i'm tyler your m check soon to be from tsn Fell asleep again. He walked over and was like, all right, buddy, last warning. Stop sleeping. And I just looked at him and fucking puked everywhere <laughs> all over the dance floor. Like 18-year-old me. You're on the dance floor in the story, too? No, it's like on those tables that were on the edge of the dance floor. Uh, but like all over the tables. floor, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so he like kicks me out, throws me on the concrete, and I'm just like sitting out there by myself. And my girlfriend at the time just fucking reams this guy out, I guess. I don't remember. Mrs. Former Yeremchuk. And she just gave him an earphone. And was like, it's his fucking 18th birthday, you asshole. Blah, 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 blah. Rips him. And then he came out and like gave me a towel and a water and was like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. Here's some ranch VIP cards. Like, we'd love to have you back. Like, I ho- I'm sorry you didn't have a good birthday, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like so fucked out. I remember looking at him, just being like, uh, okay. There is nothing more aggressive than a drunk woman playing mama bear for her boyfriend oh boy on his 18th too yeah get out of town um so that that was my first bar story my initial bar drinks pretty basic just like rum and cokes right that's still what i drink oh yeah me too fantastic Um, yeah i love di sorono as an 18 year old too just pounding pizza. On what on earth classic on On the the rocks rocks? yeah did you see those ads uh, These ads are like, hey, they're like two people at a bar. Like, can I get a DeSorono on the rocks? The other person's like, can I also get a DeSorono on good. the rocks? It's good. I'll still drink it. I haven't had it probably in like six, seven months, though. But I remember when me and my buddy, we went to Toronto once because we wanted to go watch baseball. And every morning we'd wake up and just like pound almost a two six of DeSorono before like 10 o'clock and be like, let's start our day. Well, time to go watch <laughs> the Jays. We're blind drunk. The old DeSorono <laughs> drunk. The only drink I can do straight on the rocks would be um, coconut. What does it be? Malibu? Yeah. Yeah. Just on the rocks. It's tasty. Mandizi and I went to a Mexican wedding and it was so cooking hot. We couldn't do anything. So we just got big ass thermo thermo Mm. cups straight up. That's it. I used to drink Zambuca on the rocks. Oh, no, you didn't. Were you in the Greek Navy? (laughs) Fucking Satanist. In my my cowboys days. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I would go for some 25 cent draft and get a, get a Zambuca on the rocks. Terrible. You know who loves Zambuca? 
Uh, they did not light it on fire because I didn't want that. It scared me. Oh, I, you gotta take a Zambuca shot. Lit. Yeah. Come My on. dad fucking loves Zambuca. And like Zambuca or Sambuca? Zambuca, Zambuca, same. Zambuca, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you um, think? He calls it Zambuca, but no, whatever. No, no, I've heard of both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but like whenever it's a happy occasion, you know Ross is busting out the Zambuca. <laughs> we went golfing once with my now brother-in-law, and it was when my brother-in-law asked if he could marry my sister. And the next hole, my dad's like waving down the cart lady. He's like, do you have Zambuca? Can you go get us some? <laughs> and we're both like, Ross, we don't like, like it's disgusting. He's like, nope. Well, I pivoted from Zambuca to tequila, so I'm not sure one is better than the other, really. Ugh, both awful. What you want to get yourself is some mezcal. That's tequila's angry cousin. Mm. And it's not, uh, it doesn't have the aftertaste. No? No. Oh. But it's. I'm always down for a tea time. But you're an animal, though, because you're, anytime you're out at a bar with Wanye and something's (laughs) going on, you know a tray of Jack is showing up. (laughs) Yeah, you have to find a way to get through the day. Unbelievable. I like ordering lots of shots and then people being mad and having to drink them and then them being like, I don't want them. And I'm like, fine, I'll have the last four, whatever. One, two, three, four. I just feel myself getting angrier and angrier as the shots go down. Because of Jack? Yeah. It it angers the Really? Yeah, it's whiskey's on my no fly zone. No kidding. Yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm a very, very happy drunk. Like, despite my day-to-day personality of being a general <laughs> Grinch. Like, when I get drunk, man, the smile comes out, and I'm happy as can be. You saw me on the cast after I had a couple Is that cocktails. why all your photos in Vegas, you look so smiley? Were you drunk? Yeah. Oh, I was shit-faced the whole time. Uh, I can't wait. For, you're coming to Vegas with us, aren't you? I okay. think that's still the plan. Yeah. I booked yeah. off the time. Excellent. Like, you're going to... like it's That a was you and the missus, right? In Vegas? Yeah. Yeah, and you were beaming ear to ear. I'm like, oh, yeah. good God. The happiest this I've is not been. the Ram track I know down in the dungeon. Tyler was on the... Brumcast on Saturday night. And I could tell you were banged up because your framing that you did with your own phone, it was like you're zoomed in on your own nose and (laughs) mouth and like half one eye half shut. And everybody's like, oh, Tyler fell into one. And then people ask for naked URM check on the Brumcast. Well, I'm I'm pushing for it, one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because every now and then Tyler will call in. He was like, but I can't show you the video because I'm in bed. Ooh. Well, give me some viewers, man. Show us under the tent. That's what I'm saying. No. That's what I'm saying. How big is that tent? You got a Jujar tent over there? Oh, hello. Or what? The circus. Speaking of the Oilers, and I think that that's what kicked originally you wanted us to talk about. And then we yeah. talking about how your dad drinks Sambuca. But that sounds about right. Connor and Leon are one tune points. They're ridiculous. The Oilers are first in the Pacific and what in the West? One. God. Coming into play on Monday night, they were one at least. Yeah, last night. Uh, I'll pull up the standings for you. I think they're one. It's, it's, it's. Juan, you go back to your prediction for a second. Okay, do you guys want it? I got it right here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's Wani's prediction from before the season started. Okay. They're going to come out of the gate hot, and everyone's going to get super excited. The reverse of after the year they made the playoffs. So October's going to be hot. Hot, out of the gate. Mm -hmm. People are going to be scoring. James Neal's going to have like five goals in October. We're going to be losing our shit. My boy Jericho. We're going to cool off a little bit. Go maybe 500 hockey for like 10 games. All the naysayers back off the bandwagon. Bam! Blistering hot again until Christmas. Connor's going to go into the Christmas break on fire, and they'll be talking about like shattering his point totals because he's so hot by the Christmas break. I'm going to tell you. You're a witch. You nailed like they cooled off that little bit, then bang, they're I, hot again. The, the, the cooling off didn't last as long as I yeah. did. After that point in the clip, when I said, and Leon, they're going to be talking about him shattering his point totals too. Yeah, we're there. And you, the only thing you got wrong was you thought the Oilers would go on a 500 run longer than they did. They were these, they're doing better than I thought they would. And you mm-hmm. undersold James Neal. That was the only thing. Five that goals you got in wrong. October though. But what, he, he had, had like eleven. Yeah, he had like nine, didn't yeah. he? Uh, so that was ridiculous. As of this morning, it is Monday. In the capital region, Edmonton Oilers sitting in first place in the Western Conference with 35 points. Second place, St. Louis Blues with 33. When 
can we declare this season good? You're Remchuk. You're the grumpiest oldest man in this room. Now, man. Like, they've built up a cushion. They Moneypuck.com has them at, like, an 87% chance of making the playoffs or something crazy like that. I think Dom Lucision is the other guy who does the, a lot of these projections. He has them at, like, 65, but whatever. But what do we wait till Christmas? Dom- Christmas time? Well, American Thanksgiving is the important date because the history shows if you're in a playoff spot on American Thanksgiving, you have a 75% chance of holding on to that spot and making it at the end of the year. Now, granted, there are teams like Buffalo last year who Montreal went Montreal when you're gassed at dude. Yeah, like Buffalo when you went or last year went from like first in the conference, basically what Edmonton did, to missing the playoffs horribly and picking seventh in the draft. And St. Louis was the opposite last year. But I think if you can make it to January 1, and if they're still in one of their those divisional spots... You got to be good. So looking at the Pacific Division right now, after the weekend, the Oilers are up four points on the Coyotes at 35 points, and Coyotes have 31. That's why this road trip was so massive. Mm-hmm. Four divisional games in a row. They fucked up against LA. Fine. Okay. Huge bounce back game against Vegas. Huge. Arguably one of the best games they've played in a while. Didn't we all think they were going to get six or seven points, and they came back with six? Yeah, they still got one more game. Oh, shit. Yeah, they, they, could, had- they could walk back to home with eight. Which is insane. If you go on this road trip, a five-game trip through California and now to Denver and get eight out of ten points, that's insane. Huge. And who would have thought that potentially the only loss comes to the fucking LA Kings, but whatever. Even yesterday's win, that was... The Oilers played very well. They had that 90-second span in the second period where they fucked the dog, but that's... Mm -hmm. You know, it happens. Yeah. But they didn't quit. This isn't... This ain't no Dallas Aikens quitters team. No. No, it's not. And that's what I... That's what I love about this. Like... Tom handsome Tom today said it, it's mm. it's a swagger. They don't think they're gonna lose. Like in past years, they lose one, and then you know they show up the next night, and it's like oh god, pressure's on us, and they lose again, and it snowballs into a losing streak. They're not letting that happen. It's a disappointing loss to Detroit. You bounce back the next night. A disappointing loss to LA. You bounce back against Vegas, and and you're winning divisional games too, and that's what's going to be most important. It's awesome watching the panel at intermission be like, well, I don't know what the fuck to tell you. <laughs> Apparently, people have to play hockey, and the people predicting don't know everything. Well, it is funny how many predictions were just so wrong yeah. this summer. Like, do you you mentioned Dom Lachishishin. He does those predictions, yeah. and he's generally pretty good, but he only had the Oilers at 62 points this year in the summer. He that's had why, them being like a bottom feeder. That's why Jay, I'm pretty sure Jay is... He bet him 20 bucks or whatever he bet him. Bet him some kind of bet on that. And it looks like Jay's going to have some money coming in. They could hit 62 points before the end of January. And and like it's entirely possible. It's insane the run they're on. Um, And they're going to keep it rolling. They play Wednesday in Colorado and then they're back home. Saturday night or against the Canucks. We're also having a good year. Home and home against the Canucks this week. Home and home? Yep. Oh, fuck. That's good. Like, and th- again, those, if you want to hold on to that spot, like right now they're in a point where as long as they keep winning divisional games and then go 500 against everyone else, they're so good. They'll win the division doing that. It's kind of fun watching Calgary lose too. Oh. oh. Who would have thought that bringing in Milan Lucic, Cam Talbot, and Tobias Reeder, who were the three of the biggest problems with the Oilers last year? Well, Reeder wasn't a problem, was he? Well, he didn't score. Yeah. Like who would have thought that? <laughs> who would have thought that that would have saved the Flames? Like Brad Tree Living came out when we were this tweet came out while we were recording Oilers Nation Radio on Friday, and he came out and said it starts at the top. It starts with me. Our management hasn't yeah. been good, and it's like, well, no shit, man. Your dad swindled the widow Horton last night. I got to write another James Neal thank you card mm. for the Calgary Flames. What's and that all about? Talk to me. I see it. So I had a dumb idea mm-hmm. when he no when such he scored. Thing. The first one of, of the season, I thought maybe it'd be funny if I go on Amazon and I order a bunch of thank you cards and every goal he scores, I send one down to the Calgary Flames. You send it to their to the to the rink. Yeah, to head office. For real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I ordered a bunch of thank you cards off Amazon. 
And then I tweeted out the address to Calgary's head office and I encouraged everybody to join in. And then I tweeted the link for my very cheap thank you cards. So every goal he scores, I send one down. And other nation fans are doing it as well. There's a handful of nation fans sending thank you cards every who's time. Who's sending James down cards with you? Who's, who's uh, there's a guy, Mitch. I wish I could remember off the top of my head. Mitch there's, Hauser? Yeah, Mitch Hauser. Whatever it one is. Of them. Uh-huh. Uh, I did hear from a little birdie saying that the Calgary Flames are confused why they're getting dozens and dozens of thank you cards sent <laughs> to their head office. I'll tell you why, Calgary, because you can suck it. That's why. You had your chance on top with your little tiny Johnny Goudreau. And the thing is, too, like I wanted this to be a positive thing. So the caveat to join in was that the message on your thank you card has to be super positive. The bag milk way. Don't you be, can't be like, bag. fuck you, Brad tree living. And I hate flames fans. Nope. I'd write a nice little poem. Tyler's written a couple. We did mm-hmm. some on ON radio. It's just a fun, good bit. Oh yeah. That nobody knows. Except and someone has Foundation to open it and read it and yep. is like waiting for the next one. Whenever he scores. Yep. If I was a flames fan right now, I'd be so pissed that yes. not only we suck, this is talking about the flames, mm-hmm. but we also took a whole bunch of polarizing Oilers onto our sucking team. And then the triplicate is that the oil are dominant. And we gave them James Neal, the guy we were hating on all last year. Going on Flames Nation and reading after losses is my new thing. I love it. People are so pissed. Yeah. Well, and then there's the Talbot Smith swap on top of that as well. Like it just it multiplies for Flames fans. It sucks to be them right now. Talbot's a nice guy. He is very very nice guy. guy. Yeah, but Mike, Mike Smith's Smith a better is, goalie. Yeah, Mike Smith's a better up. goalie, and that's just the bottom and line. Koskinen, what is he like? Eleven and two. What is Koskinen? Koskinen has only lost once in regulation. He's nine one and two in twelve <laughs> starts. Like that's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> He's in the conversation for the Vizina. And what has anyone even heard a whisper about the guy's glove hand yet this year? Well, no? they always shoot high glove. I noticed that, but that's fine. But he's keeping them out now, and that that's a big difference as well. Um, it's just an unbelievable start. Like, what are these fans have to be on cloud nine? Finally, I sit down, and I'm like, there's no game now until Wednesday. I'm like itching. I'm like, we can't go that long yeah. without an Oilers game. When's the ne- what am I going to do? Who am I watching with? What establishment should I be at? You know my little zoom-in things where I do my playoff 2020? Yep. Yep. I think it's funny. Yep. When I first started doing them, people respond back and be like, you're fucked. The Oilers are not making the playoffs. You're an idiot. You're a stupid idiot. And I've kept these messages. <laughs> and now, after I post them, people are like, we're going to the cup. Like, I'm starting to see people talking mm-hmm. like that. And, like, it's interesting to watch the fan yeah. change. So now when I post that, I will also go and DM a screenshot of your fucking idiot back to people from the beginning of the year. Well, it's they a lot don't more, answer. It's a lot more fun doing the post game thing as well. I can imagine. Obviously, I would prefer to have a drink than eat beets every time, but just yeah. the attitude of the people in the comment section is so much fun right now. So how many cans of beets have you only had this year? Like four? Yeah, not many. I, I only do it after every loss or whatever the others are at in terms of Yeah, because initially it was... Oh, you lost when you do it? Yeah, every loss. Initially, you were only going to... Uh, you were going to do it until they were back to 500, right? Yep. And now you're just committed to whenever there's a loss, you... Bucking up the beats. Is that so what it is? They're 16, 7, and 3. So I've done 10 cans of beats so far. This year. And 16 Brumcasts. And 16 Brumcasts. That's a pretty good record. That's not bad. It's not too shabby. My is pregame it, podcast, Better the Game, lost, though. It does not have a good record. Is it one shot of Brum if you lose? If we win? Yeah, I just make a standard highball. Just as. What do you mix it with? Well, you see, Brum is a little bit sweeter mm-hmm. than normal rum. So I have to press it. So I'm just doing some uh, some Brum, some Coke, and a little bit of soda water. Ooh, nice. Yeah, it's what nice. What do you call it? It's a nice little cocktail. Uh, just a little Brumsky. That's what I'm calling it. Like Rig Hand likes it. Brumsky. I like it. I think, it's a good spot to, uh, I think it's a good spot to end the podcast. You know what? It was nice in here this week. 
It was. Corey Cross was great. That was a really insightful chat. Amazing that he was just sitting there in school and someone tapped him on the shoulder and said, who wants to be a millionaire? I'm just happy we got to talk about Instagram weirdos again. Mm. Been a minute. Yeah, we got, we got a lot. We got a lot of classic real life talk, I feel like, done today. Where's Roy Purdy these days on Instagram? Where, where are a bunch of these guys? Buddy, I don't know what happens to these kids. I think they might fry their brains. Kush Poppy's gone. Gucci Berry, I don't see him around anymore. Ah, he probably went, he's probably in the Senate or something. Probably. Anyway, you don't know who any of those people are because you're still <laughs> nope. on fax machines. All right. Well, shout out to Mary Browns for hooking us up with another Mary Browns pop-in for their bite-sized morsels of 100% breast meat, chicken coated in Mary seasoning, served hot crispy. So yummy. Had a great chat with Corey Cross. No Chalmers, no Jay. They'll be back from Buffalo next week. For Bag Milk, Wanya, I'm Tyler Rumchuk. Thanks for tuning in to Nation Real Life. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.